Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hessline. Hey Meredith, so many things to talk about today. Can't wait to get into it with you. I know, I'm so excited. We are recording this on Monday, but happy early Fat Tuesday, Megan. Ugh, literally one of the best days of the year. I mean... I, especially when you were younger. Like, I remember, did you ever have that, like, in your classes where there'd be a baby hidden in, like, a cupcake or something, and then whoever oh, had yeah. it? I think it was, like, good luck. I don't even know what it meant, but uh, those were the days. I know. Well, actually, today I panicked um, because I thought today was Mardi Gras, and I missed my opportunity to get a king's cake but as it turns out, <laughs> because obviously today is Monday, uh, it's hard to be Fat Tuesday. But anyway, uh, certainly looking forward to tomorrow. Um, and, you know, we have, a, like you said, we have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, so we're excited to have you on the show today. Um, some hot topics include NCAA basketball, more coaching carousel news. But let's kick things off with the NFL Combine, which, like Mardi Gras, kicks off tomorrow. Yes, I am so excited. This is probably like a super unpopular opinion, but I love watching the Combine. Like just three hours of guys running 40-yard dash and seeing how many reps they can bench press. Like I just think it's so entertaining to watch. And I need to clarify that because in the column that was released today that I wrote, I was saying how top prospects should consider skipping the combine because, I mean, they have nothing left to prove if they've, you know, if they're already predicted to go in the first round, why else do they need to, you know, what else do they need to prove? And it's just risking injury, you know, maybe they have an off day and that could really hurt their draft stock. So I just said that maybe they should, you know, consider skipping it. However, Personally, selfishly, I don't think they should because I think it's just super fun to watch, especially the best players. But yeah, I just love the combine. Yeah. I mean, it's not an entirely unwarranted opinion. We've already reached a state of normalcy with bowl games where top prospects are sort of expected to sit out um, unless they are playing, for example, in the college football playoff. Uh, And you're right, especially for top prospects who we already know are going to go maybe one through 10 on the draft board. What more do they have to prove? Um, And of course, you know, the combine, the whole point is to provide something of a level playing field for prospects from across college football. So if you already know that you're going to be going, why take a spot from someone else who maybe is from a smaller conference, a non-power, a group of five conference? who's just looking for that shot and maybe that seventh round selection. But, you know, without the combine, we wouldn't have moments like Tom Brady's 40-yard dash. Oh, for sure. I mean, the combine just has some great memories attached to it, including Tom Brady. I mean, come on. That picture is just a classic. But, yeah, like you said, I really think the combine should be geared towards these, you know, lower lower prospects because – the combine can truly just change where they're selected in the draft. You know, if you have a freakishly fast 40-yard dash time, you can shoot up, you know, on the boards. So, I don't know. I just think that it really should be geared towards guys who truly do need that shot. But I'm just happy to see anyone participate in it, 
especially because it was canceled last year. So I'm excited. Yeah. And was it, yeah, it was John Ross, the wide receiver from Washington, who mm-hmm. was really on no draft boards whatsoever until he ran like the fastest 40 yard dash ever right. um, and ended up getting, you know, picked pretty high uh, in the 2017 draft. So it uh, can definitely make a difference. Uh, and we will certainly see how the combine has impacted draft boards next week once the combine is over. Um, but Megan, one thing I did want to talk about, so Combine is obviously an invite-only experience, uh, and the SEC is dominating in terms of players invited. So the SEC has 82 players, um, and then there is a giant golf. Uh, the Big Ten has 54 players, and then there's another giant golf, and the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC have 36, 35, and 34 players invited, respectively. Um, Megan, what do you think this does in terms of reflecting how college talent is transitioning to the pros? I mean, I'm not on, I really, I'm not a huge fan of how many players are invited from the SEC. I just don't think it's a fair reflection of the talent across college football because, you know, there's, SEC is historically the best conference. However, I think that's definitely changed in recent years. You know, the Big Ten, it can definitely be argued. I know we're Ohio State fans, but even without that fact, the Big Ten can be argued as being the best conference, as is some of these other conferences. So I think it's pretty interesting how many more players were selected ahead of these conferences from the SEC. So, I mean... I guess historically SEC players have transitioned pretty well into the NFL, but these other conferences are on the come up. So I wish that I saw a little more or a few more invites to these other conferences, but hey, football loves the SEC and I guess that's just not going to change this year. Well, what's interesting is uh, I wrote a column, It maybe it's been a month or so ago at this point, but uh, one of the aspects was uh, – players translating to the Pro Bowl. So not just draft selections. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, schools like Alabama have had more first-round picks than just about anyone in recent years. But those first-round picks haven't necessarily translated to all pro players, um, which is an interesting way to think about it. So, uh, you know, it's certainly getting a head start for the SEC in terms of draft stock. But if those players end up panning out, if they end up being, you know, the cream of the crop when it comes to NFL careers, um, it remains to be seen. Uh, In terms of players this year to watch, though, Megan, who are you most excited about? Yeah, there's three players in particular that I have my eye on. Um, The first being Cincinnati running back Jerome Ford. He really did have a great season with Cincinnati. Um, Former Alabama running back, he transferred Now, he racked up over 1,300 yards with the Bearcats this year. Um, You know, just a really solid season. So I'm just excited to see what a great combine performance can do for him. I really think he is uh, maybe like a top 10 running back right now, but I think that a great combine performance could really help him. Another running back I'm looking at is Kenneth Walker III, Michigan State's running back. Obviously, he had a really great season, too kind of slowed down towards the end, especially against Ohio State. Um, But yeah, just looking for him. 
And then lastly, Liberty's quarterback, Malik Willis. I feel like there's always one quarterback at the end of the, you know, the season's over and somehow the experts find this quarterback that no one's ever heard of. So I'm just excited to see how he does. You know, I really don't know much about him, but he's a really highly touted quarterback. So I'm excited to see how he does as well. Yeah, it's so Malik Willis, first of all, I totally agree. He is definitely the most exciting quarterback in this combine. Um, I was watching him play in the bowl game this year and it was fascinating because everyone was talking about him and how he was looking to rise to maybe like a third round pick. And it was sort of this argument that playing, um, you know, and if he had a great bowl game, he could elevate his stock and solidify his stock as basically a draft pick. And then he ends up as like this first round prospect, which is just bananas. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really wild because he didn't come out of nowhere. He initially played for Auburn. Um, Yeah, but now he's, yeah, like you said, positioned to be a potential first round pick. Seen a lot of discussion of him going to the Steelers to potentially replace Ben Roethlisberger given his retirement. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's sort of like a Trey Lance situation though. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, they've, he's been around for a while, but do we really know anything about him? We will see. Right. I feel like it's kind of, kind of like a Mitch Trubisky, Daniel Jones situation almost like they did have great careers in college, just may not have heard about it. Cause they didn't go to, you know, one of the premier power five programs. So Yeah, definitely excited to watch him in the Combine. Well, while these players have seen the last of their collegiate playing days, we've still got the best of college basketball left. Uh, Megan, I'm not sure if you had a chance to catch the Iowa versus Michigan game on Sunday, uh, but it was probably the best college basketball game I've gotten to see all season. Unfortunately, I did not. I only caught the highlights um, this morning, but... Man, Iowa is just so fun to watch. And the fact that they beat Michigan out of all teams and the way they did it, I mean, by 24 points, they're just so fun to watch. Obviously, Caitlin Clark is the star. She's just, she's unbelievable. She's just one of a kind, honestly. Like, I, she's just so exciting every single night. So, yeah, yeah, looked amazing. She's definitely, I mean, I'm going to say it. She's the most exciting player in college basketball. Um, Clark finished that game with 38 points. She hit eight of 11 shots from range. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that probably seven of those eight threes were from the logo. Um, She's just incredible. Her ability to beat players in transition, she just slips past everyone and you know, if she can't shoot it, she passes it. I think she finished with 11 assists on Sunday. Um, just an incredible performance in front of a sold-out crowd, which was so cool to see. Um, but the added bonus was that Iowa winning gave Ohio State a share of the Big Ten women's basketball title. And since the Buckeyes own the tiebreaker over the Hawkeyes, Ohio State earned the number one overall seed in the Big Ten tournament, which starts Wednesday. And like the combine is also in Indianapolis. I feel like I need to drive over there so I could like be part of this excitement. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So many things happening in Indy. But yeah, so exciting for Ohio State to get the number one seed. They've just had 
such a fun season to watch. I mean, so many different players have stepped up. You know, Taylor Mikesell is just, she's, oh, I can't even describe it. Watching her shoot threes is literally like watching Steph Curry. She's just so fun. You know, obviously, J.C. Sheldon, Mikola Shakova. I just, I love watching this team. And, you know, they've really grinded this season to get to where they are. So it's just really, really fulfilling for them, I feel like, to get this number one seed. For sure. Of course, there's a lot of great teams in the Big Ten this year. Go figure. Uh, Between Ohio State, Iowa, Michigan, Maryland, the fact that Indiana, who entered this week ranked 14th in the latest AP poll, uh, they're the five seed in this tournament. Um, It is a stacked Big Ten, and I think it's going to be a really fun tournament to watch. Um, Ohio State, uh, they obviously have a bye. Uh, They're projected to face the winner of Purdue versus Michigan State. Um, As we saw on Sunday, the Buckeyes just beat Sparty to earn that share of the Big Ten title. Yeah, I mean, either way, it should be a competitive game. Obviously, it was a great game game against Sparty on Sunday. So I'm sure Michigan State would love that rematch. So if that happens, that'll be a great game from both sides. So I'm just curious to see who they end up facing. I just can't wait to see how it turns out. Meanwhile, the Ohio State men's team isn't looking quite as strong as we'd hoped as they are heading into the last week of the regular season. Uh, The men did fall to Maryland on Sunday somewhat unexpectedly. I'm sorry to say that I wrote the preview for that game and did think it would go a very different direction. (laughs) I think we all did. I mean, honestly, from the start, though, you could just tell that they were not playing like themselves. They just looked tired off. I mean, Liddell, Branham, they weren't shooting well. No one was shooting well. It was just, it was ugly, to be honest. It was not not a good game to watch. And it was just really disappointing, you know, coming off that big win against Illinois. You thought that the momentum would keep rolling, but I think they're just tired from that, fatigued, and it definitely showed. So an extremely disappointing loss from the Buckeyes. Yeah, and fatigue definitely has become a factor down the stretch, or we have to assume that it's become a factor. Ohio State is basically playing a game every other day. They have been for the last week, and they're supposed to through the end of the season. That's, of course, due to uh, schedule changes uh, because of all the games that Ohio State missed earlier this season. Um, They obviously need to try to accommodate as much of their Big Ten schedule as possible. between Tuesday and Sunday. In fact, they're playing Nebraska, Michigan State, and Michigan. Um, Fortunately, all the games are at home where Ohio State has been strong with the exception of that one time last week when we lost to Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an advantage to be at home. Chris Holman even said like he didn't think that they would win the game without the crowd against Indiana. So definitely an advantage there. But this is not an easy schedule to run out the season. Obviously, I mean, Nebraska is a tough team. They are a solid team. And then Michigan State, Michigan, always tough. So a little nervous for the remainder of the season. Um, But yeah, I guess we'll see. Should be an exciting finish. Absolutely. We're going to circle around to some other not-so-fun, unfortunately, topics in sports. But first, we're going to take a short break, so stay with us. Welcome back. 
Well, it wouldn't be a weekend in sports without a little controversy. Uh, leading the way this week is Art Bryles, who lasted exactly four days as Grambling State's offensive coordinator. You may remember Bryles from his days as head coach of the Baylor Bears before he was fired in 2016 amid a sexual assault scandal. Bryles' resignation from Grambling State came amid a backlash among key influencers at the school. My question is just why was he even hired in the first place? Like, girl, I don't know. Did you have no other options? Seriously, like, I, it doesn't make sense. I know he was coaching a high school team for this. I don't even think he should be given that opportunity. I think he should just be done coaching forever. I mean, what he did at Baylor was just, I, I just, I can't believe he's getting more chances. Like, seriously, at another college football program, much less, I just, I don't understand it. It's really upsetting and it's so undeserving. But I mean, at least four days was all he got. At least he didn't make it into the season, I guess, if you if you want a bright spot out of it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, fortunately, the backlash was swift and did lead to him resigning after just four days saying that he does not want to be a distraction. But seriously, like, why are teams continuously going back to the same old well of washed up and not nice coaches? Like, why? This is not the first chance that he's gotten to return to coaching. Are, do people forget? Like, 2016 was not that long ago, and what he did was bad. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it is a it's a pattern in sports, like. There is so many more deserving options out there. So many young coaches out there who deserve it. I mean, I don't know why programs keep turning to all these washed up coaches who have made very bad decisions, you know, coaching former teams. There's just so many better options out there, but they just refuse to turn to them. So I don't know. I'm hoping for a change. Who knows if it'll happen, but this is just another example of just an of upsetting instance in college football. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, turning it over to the NFL, how many chances have we seen folks like Matt Nagy get repeatedly, mm-hmm. even though they prove repeatedly that, you know, they, they're not up to snuff? Um, and then you have coaches like Brian Flores who get fired after a winning season uh, and then who take – I think he ended up taking like an offensive assistant role. Like, what the heck? Like, why aren't we giving young coaches a chance? Why aren't we giving diverse coaches a chance? Why are we, like I said, just continuously going back to the well with these coaches who have, you know, at at best are just bad coaches and at worst are people like Art Bryles who, again, was fired amid a sexual assault scandal. Like, it's it's just mind-boggling. Um, but Bryles is not the only one who's managing controversy recently. Uh, acor- this is disgusting. According to ESPN, the Dallas Cowboys reached a $2.4 million settlement on a voyeurism allegation featuring a senior executive with the team. Um, the details of this include this senior executive apparently using his iPhone to film four Cowboys cheerleaders while they were changing and also taking a picture up the skirt of Charlotte Jones Anderson, who happens to be Jerry Jones's daughter. Like, what? This is disgusting. I mean, 
it's just so frustrating how money can just buy your way out of any problem. And obviously the Cowboys are not short on money at all. It's just despicable that they can just get away with stuff like this with no punishment at all that I've heard. I just, I can't believe this is still happening. It's, yeah, I mean, they really did learn nothing from the Washington football team. I'm sure it's happening in other places too. It just hasn't been exposed yet. It's just really, really upsetting that it's still happening, even after so many times of being caught. It's just gross, honestly. Yeah, definitely disturbing. Um, Hopefully, I don't know, do these franchises even have incentive to learn? But hopefully some of them do learn from these situations and do better in the future. Um, Unfortunately, on that really depressing note, that's all we have for today. Uh, (laughs) Before we wrap up the show, Megan, do you have any shout outs? Yeah, this should brighten the mood up a little. Um, I just want to shout out the Buckeyes women's ice hockey team. They've had such a good season, so fun to watch, and they just made it past the first round of their conference uh, postseason, so now they're, they have advanced to their conference, the WCHA semifinals, so super exciting for them. Um, they should be making a deep postseason run, so definitely keep an eye on them. Definitely. Good luck to that team, um, especially you know some of the Olympians coming off of that team. For sure. So uh, speaking of the international stage, obviously we have very scary things happening around the world. Um, but one of the uh, really neat human interest stories coming out of the Russia-Ukraine war has been um, the number of basically citizen soldiers who have taken up arms to fight for their nation. Um, most recently, Olympic gold medalist heavyweight champion Alexander Yushchek has taken up uh, arms in defense of Ukraine. Uh, he's joining several other former and current boxers um, who have taken up arms to uh, support the Ukrainian defense. So, um, you know, wishing just health and safety to all of those people, um, everyone in Ukraine. But, uh, you know, really just amazing that these athletes are using their voice and using um, their strength to fight for their country. Yeah, for sure. It's just really great to see the pride that they have for their country, their willingness to fight for them. Um, Clearly a united country. um, But yeah, it's great to see all these athletes coming together. Uh, Obviously, everyone is on their side. So it's really, it's really nice to see. Um, But yeah, just hoping, hoping for peace over there in Russia and Ukraine. Yep. Hoping this is resolved very, very soon. And we do not see the loss of life that we've seen in recent days. All right. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LaneGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.